1: As promised, now the details on a program in the city of Columbus that is aimed at reducing uh, recidivism rates in crime. Now, let me say, I'm in favor of reducing recidivism rates in crime. Uh, As an evangelical Christian, I don't believe anybody's unredeemable. I am always captivated by the stories of people whose lives have been turned around. Most often, those stories involve someone recognizing their true worth, that Jesus Christ paid the debt for their sin at the cross and that their value of their life was precious enough for him to do that on their behalf. I talk about that with Mike Lindell on the Lindell Recovery Network. Uh, I've worshipped over the years with a lot of people who have turned their lives around because they came to that realization. I talk about it with Teen Challenge Ohio, where Pastor Linda Hersenberg talks about the number one thing what portends the high success rate that you have, Pastor Linda? I've asked her that. And she's like, once I can get people to recognize their true value, that they are loved by God, that he sent his son to die for them, then like getting them to bring the discipline into their life, to save themselves from whatever form of addiction they're trapped in, then it becomes infinitely easier to do. So I just want to preface my comments about this program by saying that I'm all for Someone who has grown up in terrible circumstances and made bad life decisions, being forgiven for those decisions, and dramatically turning. That's what repentance is. It's a 180-degree turn. Repentance is not sorrow, okay? And Christ calls us all to repentance. He's not calling us to be sorry for what we've done. That's inherently comes with recognizing that you were wrong. He's calling for you to change your behavior. That's what repentance is. That's what proves your sorrow is genuine, is the change in your behavior. So from this point forward, I'm going to talk about this program. But I wanted to say up front, I'm not against the program. I just don't believe the program will work. And I don't believe that taxpayers ought to have to foot the bill for it. I believe if you want to do something like this, there are ample government grants to do it. And I also don't believe that this program will be done with the kind of oversight for the dollars spent. And I think the numbers in this story from Ohio Public Broadcasting will bear that out. So, no, this story is from WSYX Channel 6's website. To decrease violence in Columbus, city leaders are expanding an initiative that focuses on gang group members. It's called the Columbus Violence Reduction Program. A $1 million investment in 2024 with taxpayer dollars backing it. Not federal grant money, not COVID money, not leftover money in their coffers. Taxpayer dollars. So they're devoting a million dollars that they're taking from you, if you work in the city of Columbus or live in the, uh, work in the city of Columbus, they're taking your tax dollars to fund this program. Okay, will it work? I'm not against it if it'll work. And the message that they do with gang members is to tell them, we want you to stop engaging in illegal behaviors and re- receive support from city leaders and community members. Or you can keep doing what you're doing and receive the harshest penalties for it. All right, right there, a red flag goes up. Do you believe for a hot second that people are going to receive the harshest penalties if, for instance, a juvenile steals a car as part of a gang or a Franklin County prosecutor's office that flat will not prosecute people for crimes as serious as murder if they don't have a completely airtight open and shut case? And in instances... Even where there are overwhelming facts of guilt in murder, they have not prosecuted because they don't want the stats to go up and make it look like certain demographic groups are more prone to commit crimes than others. I've heard this from multiple Columbus police officers, multiple Columbus police officers. We go out, we investigate, we lay it on a silver platter in front of the prosecutor's office, and they do nothing with it, nothing with it. So, they're going to spend a million dollars. Where's the million dollars going to go? The story says the funding covers personnel. I said the the story says the funding covers personnel, supplies, and services. Now, I would prefer to see services listed first. Because, like on a label of something you're going to consume... When the ingredients are listed, you know why the ingredients are listed in a certain order? Because they're listed in the order of concentration of that ingredient. So the first ingredient you see is the one that's in there the most. Likewise, as you will see momentarily in this story, there's a reason why the million dollars covers personnel, first, supplies, second, and services, third. I want the services, okay, I want the program to turn lives around, to make our city safer. The bulk... Go ahead. What do they
0: mean by services? Well, the
1: services are like the actual program. Like they're serving... Like that's the good part of this. What's the meaning of is is? The bulk of taxpayer dollars, WSYX report, more than $800,000 of the million goes towards salaries for personnel. The program has a director, a program manager, and an intervention manager, all of whom make six-digit salaries. I'm not against people. If you can turn lives around in the inner city and get gang members, I'll, I'll happily pay you 150 dollars because that is God's work, and that is hard work, but... Eight hundred thousand of a million dollar budget tells me there's not a whole lot left over to actually do the boots on the ground work. Okay. The city also employs inter, uh, contracted interventionists to work with participants. I don't know what that means. I get nervous about sentences that I can't make sense of. But they talk to <coughs> excuse me, some of the people. Who've been through this. And hey if they can present this case. And they can make a gang member turn his life around. There's a heart a heart tugging story in here. Of a gang member who says. <clears throat> he was talking to his daughter. And his daughter says. Back to him. When he said to his daughter. Baby you can't do what I do. You, you can't do that with your friends. Because you'll go to jail. And you'll do this and that. And she was like well dad you do it. And he said just like that. I didn't know what to say. And what can I say? Because I want, besides, I don't want her to make my mistakes, be better than me, but I've got to do more than tell her that. I've got to lead by example. Yes, amen. Great. Fantastic. Now, one of the other troubling things in this story is that they quote a former gang member doing this, and he said, They didn't use his name, and the reason why they didn't use his name is because he said he fears violence being done to him as reprisals for trying to break away from that life. Uh, Another part of his his comments in this story. He said some of these young men have made up their mind that they want to die out there. They don't care. They want to die out there, and they want to kill some people with them. It's a sad fact, but it's true. That is... Very unfortunately, a prevailing attitude in the inner cities, not just of Columbus, but in America. When you have kids stealing cars, and cops tell me we'll have the same kids steal cars multiple times a day, and they'll laugh at us when we're driving them to the juvenile detention center and say, I'll be out in an hour, and they have a rap sheet a mile long, and then we have teenagers Teenage gang members, if you're in the Kia boys, you're in a gang. Crashing those cars, killing themselves, then that attitude is prevailing out there and we're not getting through to enough of these kids. And I think the reason why we're not getting through to enough of these kids is because we're spending most of the money in these initiatives. Most of the money in these initiatives is like money you send to Ukraine for arms. It just gets lost somewhere. It just gets lost somewhere. And I don't have a solution for it, okay? I wish I had a solution. Well, I have a a spiritual solution for it. And there are great programs. I've talked before about the transformative work New Albany Presbyterian Church is doing with the young kids at Linden McKinley. Uh, There's a program called Reset. It's guys who go into inner cities and talk to kids about the gospel. Kids who've never, ever been exposed to anything religious oh, I shouldn't say religious anything transformative like the gospel in their whole lives they've never heard that there's a God who loves them and sent his son to die for them so they can be redeemed and forgiven they've never heard it these guys are retired guys I know some of them they go into the inner city and they spread that message I would love to see those kinds of programs supported. I understand there's a separation between faith organizations and taxpayer dollars. But at some point in time, we got to ask, do we want results or do we just want feel-good headlines? <clears throat> I do not have correspondence on the show, but I may have to hire one. You know, the... Uh, Twitter site Captain Obvious, I may have to hire Captain Obvious as a contributor to the show, because this next headline uh, could have come from his Twitter account. Uh, It is from Ohio NPR. And it talks about a recent report from the Nonpartisan Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. Okay, It found that Ohio has the 15th most unequal tax system in the country. Well, that sounds bad. Let's delve into this. Must be surprising results in here, right? Well, maybe not. I just said Captain Obvious. The report states that 20 percent of households in Ohio contribute about 12 percent of their income to state and local taxes. The richest one percent—oh boy, here we go—pay about six percent of their ta- of their total income in taxes. Now, the takeaway they want you to draw from this is that rich people don't pay taxes, right? I mean, if the poorest 20% are paying 12% of their total income in taxes and the richest 1% are paying 6% of their salaries in taxes, clearly poor people are paying more in taxes than the wealthy people. Wrong. Wrong. Percent of income does not guarantee that someone is paying more in taxes than someone else. Let's say somebody makes $20,000 a year. That's their income. And they pay 12% of it in taxes. And someone makes $200,000 a year and they pay 6% of that in taxes. Which one is paying more taxes? The higher amount of taxes. It's the person who makes the most money. Okay, because they would be paying $12,000 in taxes. The person who makes $20,000 is 12% of $20,000, 20 grand? No, it's not. It's not anywhere close. Now, why would the poorest people in Ohio be paying a higher percentage of taxes, not a higher amount of taxes? Well, when you go fill up your car with gasoline... You're paying a state gas tax on that, correct? So if you want to fix, according to these folks, fix the tax rate inequity in the state of Ohio, how would you do that on gas tax? Do you want to pull up to the pump and have to scan your tax return so they see how much money you make? In a year, I think that would slow the process down. At the grocery store checkout, where you are taxed, what is it, five and three quarter percent in the state of Ohio, say tax rate? How are you going to determine, hey, you look, you're dressed pretty nice there, Alan Rogers. You pay on your order 15 percent. The guy behind you, Bruce Hooley, dressed like a slob, uh, we're going to let him pay two percent. On his bill would that be? Would that be a workable solution to this?
0: Uh, I don't think so.
1: No. See, first Democrats, of all, Democrats. I don't dress very nicely. <laughs> Democrats are great at identifying, or at least uh, engaging in histrionics about a quote unquote problem. But there is, for many of these scenarios, they paint. No solution that is workable. If you're going to have taxes. On. Purchases. Then there is no way to make people pay. A higher rate. So that the amount of taxes paid. Will be. Equal. There just is no way to do that. And yet. They use this as a way to say, oh, see, rich people don't pay taxes. <laughs> well, that's not true. I <clears throat> I have a little inside information on this, although not specific inside information on this, because my wife is a CPA MBA and does taxes for a living. And once in a while, she'll be she hates politics and she'll be walking through an area in the house where I am and I'm listening to a podcast or I'm watching a television show and she'll hear or I'm listening to Fox Business, Larry Kudlow or whatever, and she'll hear somebody make a comment about, most often it's the president, rich people not paying their fair share. Rich people except for Hunter Biden not paying their fair share. It's okay that Hunter Biden didn't pay his fair share and Jim Biden and Ashley Biden and every other Biden. But she'll hear this and she'll say, Again, generally, not specifically, because she won't give me a name, she'll say, I did the taxes for a blank, identify the person's occupation today, not the name of the person, and they made X amount of dollars, usually it's a very high amount, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, and she'll say, and they paid X in taxes, and the number knocks me over because it's way more than my annual income. Okay? So it's a myth. It is a complete and total and utter, well, let's just say what it is, lie that rich people don't pay taxes. Now, you've heard me on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick talking about tax planning. And why would you pay more than you have to? Be smart. Take advantage of this loophole or that loophole or this way to spend your money here so you don't have to be taxed on it there. And I know there are people who hear that and go, well, see, rich people don't want to pay taxes. Well, where do taxes come from? Who sets the tax rates? Elected officials set the tax rates, okay? Elected officials, elected bodies of officials have the power to change tax rates. If the Democrats believe that the tax rate in the state of Ohio is unfair. Then they're perfectly welcome to put forward a new tax policy so so they can fix that inequity. But they're not going to do that. And not just because they know they'd have stand no chance of getting it done, but because they would just rather complain about the problem. This is like what I talked about in the beginning of the show with Rich Eisen of the NFL Network. Complaining about the fact that nine children were shot in Kansas City yesterday. Yeah, that's terrible. We all agree that's terrible. What's your solution, Rich Eisen? Take guns away from everybody. That's his solution. Take guns away from everybody. Okay, so people who commit home invasions, people who commit crimes, people who rob you, are they going to say, oh, there's a law against having guns. I'm going to turn my gun in. Is that going to happen? Is that a reasonable possibility of happening? No, it is not. You're going to always take away guns from people who are law-abiding citizens. And the people who are not law-abiding citizens are always going to have the guns. And then the people who are law-abiding citizens have no chance to defend themselves. So a lot of complex problems out there. They require complex solutions. None of them are coming from the left.